Welcome to Hammer Dad! Dad! Number one sports gambling podcast coming out of the Pat McAfee Incorporated offices. I am Tone Diggs. Joining us in a few minutes will be Mr. Pat McAfee. Sitting next to him, freshly groomed beard. Just looks incredible. The Canadian sensation. The nuke man himself, Bubba Gampino. How are you doing today, sir? Good day, Tony. How are we doing, pal? Good day to you. And on the FaceTime and phone and not here, former <laughs> NFL GM. One day I got to get there. Yeah, I know. I it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good day. I think we need. We all need to go to the circuit together pretty much, I think, and do something Yeah, there. we should do it live from the stadium swim. We should do this. Now yeah. that's something I can yeah, get yeah, on we'll board do that. with. Former NFL yeah. GM, host of the Lombardi Line, GM Shuffle Pod, uh, writes for The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe to The Daily Coach. Michael Lombardi, how are you today, sir? I, I'm great. Thank you very much. I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Uh, before we get into things, Gumpy, how did we do this weekend as far as records? Uh, Pat was three and two. Woo! Winning weekend. I was two and two. Okay. Tony was two and three. Uh-huh. Mike was one and three. Mike, you went against your numbers a couple times. You went against your numbers. Uh, I mean, look, I, I think that Tampa game, I had. I mean, not the Tampa game, I had that Kansas City game yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, we all got hosed yeah. on that one, Mike. 10-4. I mean, that was, you know, everybody say, oh, you know, that was a good pick. I I think that that was a lucky pick, not a good pick. Yeah, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, they cover for and, sure. And then you didn't. How didn't. about the missed field goal with extra point? There's four points right there. Well, the Ravens crushed every fucking teaser possible. Yeah, that, that, I was wrong on the Ravens of the Buck. That I admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get into the weekend, Pat wanted to ask you about. I got a lot of questions, Slombo. All right, let's do it. Okay, so thank you, Diggs, for You're that. Welcome. By the way, set up. Gumpy, good to see you. Lombo, great to see you. Hey, haircut looks good. This one? It's good cut. It's not great with this because you can't see the fade. I'm a skin fade guy because if not, my head looks so fucking big. And since I'm <laughs> Irish, that's where all my fat goes, you know? So Same. I got to I gotta keep it tight haircut on the sides. I wish I went to the side of my head and not into my chins, but okay, here we go. Let's do it. Lombo, I mean, we all got different locations. Mine, my face gets massive. Okay, Lombo, so Easterby, all right? Yeah. I'm just now learning this, and I guess there is a 20 to 30 scroller Sports Illustrated article laying this whole thing out. I'm just learning this. Easterby was in the New uh, uh, New England Patriots organization. Yes. He, he was up there. He was a pastor, a chaplain, a building builder. What what exactly was he in New England that got him the job that he has at Cal Mc, uh, with Cal McNair down at the Texans that allegedly has him pulling the trigger on everything, making every decision? Is he... Is he like the God man for all these people and then they trust him and he makes decisions or is this thing getting kind of painted in, in the wrong light? Well, I mean, there's been two articles, right? And so the Jack that I know, Jack, the role that Jack was in when we were together in New England, he was the, the chaplain, team chaplain and team builder and character builder. Like he really was good at talking to players, talking to them in their confidence, them sharing their off-the-field issues, as most chaplains do. And he was very good. He's an inspirational speaker. He's powerful. He, uh, he, he works hard. He connects with people. And, you know, in that role, he was very good at what he did. Now, he was only in the building. Maybe he was at the games coming on Friday. Uh, you know, maybe would be in one day a week, but he was more of a part-time employee in 14. and 15, I think he became a little bit more of an employee. And then after the 16th season, when I left, you know, I think his role expanded even more so. And then I think he got to where he wanted to get into more of a front office, and that's when he went down to Houston. And I think 
down in Houston, it, it, it there's a there's a line that you just alluded to it that's very challenging. You can give advice and counsel, and through through God's eyes, whatever your religious beliefs are, but it can't come and compromise to decision making on the field. There has to be separation, of, truly, of church and state. And I think there, by the reports, and I'm not saying they're accurate, there has been a cloudiness. There's been a, 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 a kind of a mess being made down there. And I think a lot of the root of this is the Deshaun Hopkins trade. I think a lot of that is that. I think DeAndre. people blame him for influencing that trade. And I think there's been vengeance against the man that I, unlike I've ever seen in two articles. And I think there's a sometimes there's the the perceptions become reality because the power of the perception is greater than the truth and i think that's what we're dealing with jeez Louise, that's very deep i i just found out today that he was a chaplain and moved up in there so that was a great quote by the way by you there as always uh, another thing that'll be in is casario then his like his guy that's why they had bill o'brien be the ipso facto gm until they get casario back there and are he and easterby very tight well they're friends i think they are friends i think jack and him have worked together they know each other uh, Nick's relationship with Houston really was more about Bill O'Brien. They were really closer. But I think Jack, obviously, and Nick, I think they play off each other really well. Nick's not uh, Nick's not a, a great uh, public speaker. He's not gregarious. He's, you know, Jack can do all that. So they kind of play a certain role. It's a partnership. But where this has moved to by the perception has created the, the role that Jack can perform, that he can do well, that no one in Houston thinks he can do anything well, has been compromised because people in the building don't have any faith. And when, when you have ambition, it becomes very challenging to curtail the ambition as it relates to what you're doing when you're giving out godly advice. So there's always that delicate balance that I think you have to. I think on surface, when when Nick got that, most people said, "Well, this is this will save Easterby's job." I would say that 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 would be correct. the The question I would ask is, can Easterby actually do his job based on the perception of what's going on? That's very interesting because if you're supposed to be a guy that builds players up, it sounds like the players don't really want to have a relationship with him at all i mean it's just who knows who's reporting what and how we're getting these stories but that was an interesting little thing this uh this morning that came out and the thought that deshaun watson is potentially not going to play there anymore i guess it's a real thing you got a lot of people breaking news uh chris mortensen was like oh whoa whoa let's not get crazy and say he's automatically going to the jets how about down in miami like there there's now it seems like there's a real chance that he's going to be gone which is crazy uh and my second question thank you for this time Diggs and gumpy i appreciate this and uh paisan over there josh mcdaniels allegedly interviewed with the eagles for like five six hours or something like that why in the blue hell would josh mcdaniels want to become the head coach of the philadelphia eagles after everything we've heard about holly roseman and and what doug allegedly got leaked about doug peterson not being happy because he can't make his own decisions josh mcdaniels could be a head coach wherever the hell he wanted couldn't he why would he want the eagles job well, I, I can't speak for Josh, but I would say that when you when you go through a hiring cycle like he did last year, where you don't really get any offers, you you tend to think that you're cold, and you feel like I you know 
Maybe I'm just being overly picky. You know, Walsh used to say all the time, the search for the perfect player never ends. Well, the search for the perfect job never ends either. Like, they don't give away houses in Beverly Hills. Like, you've got to earn You know, and so you've got to make a job the perfect job for you. And I think all within, if it's all within the same framework, I think you've got a chance to do it. Uh, but I think he owes it to himself to do the due diligence that he has to do because I think it's really important for him to be receptive because the, the experience, what's happened in that has really has really scarred him in the sense that, well, he just doesn't want to be a head coach. That's not true. I don't know what happened with the Colts. Uh, I know that that was a great opportunity for him, that eventually he got something changed. But I, I think that ultimately he needs to really uh, he needs to really uh, talk to as many people. Now, whether he takes the job or not, that I don't know. Uh, would you, if you were Josh McDaniels? No way, right? I would want to listen to what Jeffrey Lurie had to say because essentially, you know, in this league, you work for the owner. Mm-hmm. And how many layers are there between you and the owner? And, and if you feel really good about the owner, then it's something that you feel like you can overcome, then you do it. If you don't feel good about the owner, if the owner's distant and, and you can't get to the owner, like I know somebody asked the owner of Detroit, if I need to talk to you, do I have to go through, you know, these people? And, you know, and she said, well, I don't, you know, that wasn't a real answer. Now, that's a problem because then you're really working for the president. You don't work for the owner. So you got to really ask, who do I work for? Who am, who am I? Who do I direct? Can I get you on the phone? You work for Al Davis. There was no debate about who you worked for. Mm-hmm. He got you on the phone. You know, you work for Bill Belichick. You work for him, right? So you kind of know it. If he can get that clarified, who do I work for? Who do I report to? Who ju- who who determines my success outside of wins and losses? That's important. Shout out to Foxy, by the way, who's listening to this right now. <laughs> I wonder if, if Josh could go back and go back and take that Colts job, maybe. Mike, do you know anything about uh, Brandon Staley? I wonder. I don't. You know, I know in 2016 he was the defense coordinator of John Carroll, and he's had this m- m- mesmerizing rise to the coaching ranks. And, you know, I, I think it's great. We love youthful experience. I don't think – I think being a head coach in the NFL is, is really like being – a, 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 a guy that is going to take a boat across the Atlantic, you know, and if you've never done it before, the first time's got to scare the shit out of you because the first 100 miles won't be too bad. But once you get out about 500 miles off the coast, there's storms out there you've never known of. They're going to bite you in the ass and maybe capsize you. I think this is the challenge. And look, I think the Chargers made it very clear from everybody they talked to that they wanted to keep their offensive staff intact, right? They wanted to keep everybody intact. They Smart. didn't want to change that. Whether Herbert really likes them or whether they felt like they like them, they didn't want to change it. So that opened up a whole door for them to look somewhere else. And I think that that's the case. And I, and I think, you know, they got the best of both worlds. They're subcontracting their head coaching job out. He'll coach the defense. They've got Shane Strickland to coach the offense. They'll get a special teams coach, and away they go. It's interesting. It's probably a big reason why Dayball didn't get that job. If that if, if they're trying to keep their entire offensive coaching staff, then that's right. Yeah, and I guess with that information, Dan Orlovsky was completely fucking wrong. <laughs> and that, by the way, Dan isn't always, but Dan told us basically Dayball's getting that gig. 
because the team's still playing or whatever. That's why you're, it, I, the team was still playing, but it was a defense quarter. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, I, I'm not trying to dispute Dan, but well. here's what uh, they they really they were telling candidates in the interview they didn't want to leave the staff. You know, they wanted to keep the offensive staff in place. I think they wanted to keep the terminology of the offense in place because that's what Herbert knows. They don't want to be talked about as, oh, this young quarterback's been through eight or nine different things. And it gave them an opportunity to scan the landscape of defensive coaches, right? And they got this young coach who's sitting over there at the Rams. They interviewed him. He's organized. He can come in and really help fix their defense, which – it's perceived that they're great on defense, but when you look at their numbers, they're really not. They're not as good as the numbers that, that the media makes them out to be defensively because they do have some really talented players. So if you're Tom Telesco, you get this kid that you that you know from John Carroll. You work with, you know him. You've kind of followed his career. You make him the head coach. You got Strickland to be the offense coordinator. Life goes on. So, you know, I, I don't know if Dayball was ever going to be the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. Herbert went through a lot of coaching changes in Oregon, too, so that's probably a reason why they wanted to keep what they had. I, I would think so. I really do. You know, look, it, it, and look, it, people don't think this, but here you are, the Spanos. They really didn't want to spend all the money and fire Anthony Lynn. When you fire a coaching staff, you know, you got to pay for a new coaching staff to move in. I know it doesn't sound a lot mm-hmm. to fans. But the owners, it is. You know, it's a it's a ten million dollar expense relocation, put people around. You know, this is a year where they think many of the owners are losing fifty, sixty million dollars. They don't want to really incur all that, right? So here he gets keeps his offensive staff in place. He brings Staley in. He's got to hire three or four coaches. He's minimized his losses. Staley, by the way, already doesn't even have to move. No. Probably not. Well, they're down in Costa Mesa, and the Rams are up in Thousand Oaks. So he's going to have to move unless he's got a helicopter because you ain't dealing with that traffic. <laughs> what the hell are the Rams going to do with Goff, Mike? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it just came out, out from, uh, I believe, Steve Weiss that uh, Jared Goff and Sean McVay need some relationship counseling this offseason. No, they don't need relationship counseling. Goff's got to play better. <laughs> Look, That's the reality of this is the reason he's making $35 million a year is because McVay – signed off on i mean i got laughed off twitter people still send me you know guys that do monday night football making fun of me because i said golf wasn't a good player you know and and i thought that it was more mcveigh than it was golf and now mcveigh's finally realized it they got a huge problem on their hands you, you they can't make this kid play any better than they've made him no if it's not if it's not his first look mike he doesn't he doesn't got it no, and that's the way. How do you trade them, though? You, you can't trade them, right? I, I believe, Carson Wentz is no, going to be out there? Who's going to take on their – they got $45 million of debt with him. I thought I saw, and I'll pull it up right now, that if you trade Jared Goff post-June 1st, he's got $6 million dead cap in 2021, $15 million dead cap in 2022, a savings of $27 million. But, yeah, but guarantee you got to get. But what that looks great on paper, tone. But you got to get somebody to take the forty-five million dollar guarantee off your hands. Correct. Yeah, call Ryan Pace. He might be the guy. <laughs> he honestly, might. Yeah, he could be. I mean, <laughs> you might want to make that call. So that's a really hard contract to trade. I have a question: Is there a GM like in um, in draft day? <laughs> Is there a GM that people know? Like, okay, this guy. Is a deal maker. This guy will make deals whether it's good for him or not. 
Well, I mean, there's always guys you know will make deals. You know, you can call New England and make a deal. You could call Baltimore. They'll make a deal. Now, it's got to be good for them. They're not going to make a deal to make it good for you. But there's certain teams in the league that you can make. Philadelphia, you can make a deal with. You know, the, the Cincinnati, you might as well, you know, their phone don't even – they're the Maytag repairman. The phone don't even – like, they're not making any trades. You know, very, very infrequently there's some – Atlanta, you know, there's some teams that just don't do it. You, that's why you have to evaluate the general managers who are making it and then go over every trade that they've made so you kind of have a sense of what they've done. So when you're sitting there on the phone, hey, look, you traded, you know, in, in, in 19 and in, tw- in 2014, you made these three trades at this cost. Now you're trying to rip me off on this? God, those would be fun conversations to listen. Oh, so you have precedent. You throw precedent in their face. <laughs> well, you comps, have right comps, dude. I got comps right here. This is what I you did. Here's what you've done. Don't tell me about what the don't tell me about the the, the the value. Here's the trade you made, you know? You want to make it or not? So Deshaun Watson, he'd be a number one this year, a number one next year, a number one the year after that? Yeah, I mean if I'm the GM in Houston, what I'm doing mm-hmm. is I'm flying to Clemson and I'm gonna sit down with Dabo. And I'm gonna try to get Dabo to help me. Because I need I need more than just some help. I gotta win Dabo over. And then I'm gonna fl- I'm gonna come back to Houston and I'm gonna sit down with the kid and just try to make the kid see it because six months ago we were in love. Like what happened? How did we fall out of love in six months? You know, you stayed awake till midnight to watch that check get deposited in your bank account that said from the Houston Texans we were in love. How did we fall out of love? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if it's something we said, I'm new here. If it's something mm-hmm. we did, what is it? Yeah, because I saw yeah. I saw your tweet this morning that yeah, there's a lot of noise around it. But as Casario, he should probably just try to ignore the noise and mend the relationship. He's got to. He's got to at least give it everything he has. Why, why would he? You know, and and the one thing is, if you let the noise get to you, you're not mentally tough. You got to block it out. That's got to be tough sometimes. That whole city is burning. There's exposés coming out about a guy that's in the building who potentially helped get you in the building. I mean, it is. And it's yeah. allegedly with the owner, like Deshaun's going to tell him, like, ah, oh, it's with the owner or whatever. The only thing I can't change, okay, is the owner. So well, that's what I well. – Mike, speak. Well, but you got you, – he's – I mean, you you got to figure out – that's why they pay you – Six million. You think you you think you make seven million dollars a year to deliver the mail around the neighborhood? <laughs> like you got hard jobs, right? I'm no disrespect to mailman, but you know it's a hard job, right? They're making they're paying you six million to solve these problems. You know you got to solve them. That's why you're there. If you just quickly say let's get rid of the player, that doesn't. How does that solve the problem? Like they do have a draft capital problem yeah. too. Yeah, I, they do, but what, okay, it's great to have draft capital if you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> You're going to be using that draft capital to try it's to like find a quarterback. Second eye, back in 1993, you know, cap room's fool's gold. Everybody wants cap room, but then there's no, you know, there's where are you going to if there's no players to sign that are worth the money? What are you doing with it? Like I get so we were talking about. Oh, I just lost. I just blanked. Happens to me all the time. Speaking Literally. of, oh, I know what it was. Um, if McDaniel's goes to Philly, Banami's last chance to get a head coaching job this year is Houston Texans. Do you have any idea? Or have you talked to anybody why Banami's getting passed over on all these jobs? You know, I don't. You know, I think that he's had a lot of interviews, and just from my practical experience, 
that I've seen this before over the lead, over the year. He must not do something well in the interviews. I don't know what it is. I don't know the man personally. I know Brian Levy, his agent, really well. Uh, I don't think there's an intent to not hire Eric Bieniemy by owners. I just don't don't think that's the case. There's something that's not coming across in the interview. I do think the hiring practice of the National Football League is bad. I'm not going to deny that. But there's something that's happening. There's a disconnect. What what that could that be? Like he doesn't draw plays well. He doesn't design the culture well. He doesn't like like how do those interviews go? Because I've heard they're very long. I mean, McDaniel's was what five hours with the Eagles down there in Florida or whatever. What happens in those interviews, and why are they always so dramatically long? You always hear these stories: eight hour, ten hour interview or whatever. What happens in there? Well, the guy should go through everything, every detail about the program. He should be able to tell you and coach every player on what he wants from philosophically in terms of the style of player he wants at the position to the coaching staff, to the support staff, to how to handle situations. Okay, you know, you got the ball seven minutes to go in the game. The Kansas City Chiefs don't have Patrick Mahomes. We've got the ball. All right, what are we going to do? How are we going to run this drive? You know, are we going to go for it on every fourth down? What are we doing? Talk me through it. What's your thought process? All right, fourth and inches. Kansas City has the ball. All right, what's your thought process on that? Are you going to have a got to have it period during practice? Are you are, Do you know the play that they're typically going to run down to two or three plays? How are you handling that? When you got the ball before you started the drive with the Browns, did you have an offensive staff meeting on the field and said, fellas, here's the, we got to put the best 12 plays we have to this season right now? Did you do that? Those are the kind of things. you got to put the situation on the coach and then let him answer the question. That's insane. How come none of those have ever been filmed? I, I don't know. Probably because they don't do what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and most of the time, here's where you really, most of the time, the people doing the interview want to hear how good they are, how good their job is, and you know how close their team is. Like, if you go in that interview cycle with wanting to know what, what you really have to do to improve your team and how you have to rebuild it, you learn something from every interview. Mike, speaking like, of – oh Like, don't tell me we're good. We're looking for a coach. We can't be good. We're, we're in trouble. <laughs> speaking of coaching decisions, not to flip-flop, but do you think Stefanski was hurt because it was Henny in the game? I think if Mahomes is in the game – Stefanski probably doesn't punt there with what was left, like four minutes or something like that. Four fifteen. Because he he, fi- he th- figures he may never get the ball back, but with Henny in the game, he likes his chances a lot better and end up biting him in the ass. But he had to know Andy Reid, right? He had to know Andy Reid was going to run shit that was going to be no matter what was. Andy Reid wasn't going to run lead three times and punt. Mm-hmm. You knew that, and he still had Hill on the field. He still had Kelsey. I mean, where I have a, I think Kevin's a really good coach. I think he should win Coach of the Year. Here's what I think Kevin should have done. I think he'll learn this. When they when Joseph intercepted the ball, he should have got his offensive staff together and said, "Okay, fellas, we got this is our job. We we need the 12 best plays we have. The plays we haven't really run, maybe we'll run them from different looks." So he starts the drive off, he gets that first down barely on the quarterback sneak, okay? They barely get that one. Now he's got the next drive. He runs, he gets in shotgun and he runs an outside zone. That's not really what they are out of shotgun. Then he runs a screen, which is a play he repeated again against an all-out blitz, right? Like that, the, the Chiefs had been on their screen. And then on third and 10, he had to run a drop-back pass game, which played right in the strength of the, of the Chiefs because Mayfield couldn't see down the field. He throws the swing pass to Hunt, and now he's punting. 
he needed three better plays on that drive. I, and I, I was sitting with my sons. I mean, like, the, like these are the moments you get paid the money for. You got to figure it out here. This is it. This is your moment right here. How? You know, th- this is how Dwight Clark and Joe Montana became legendary. Are you testing this, your kids this, in the game? Walsh became legendary. Are you testing your kids during the game? We're asking questions. Yeah, you got to ask him questions. What do you do? I call my one son. I call coach of the year. He's the older one because I always tease him about being coach of the year. And the younger one, I'm like, what are you going to do here? Like, what, what's your thought process? What are you calling here? That's how, awesome. How, do you, how can you learn football if you're not in the moment with the team, running what they're doing, thinking about it? You got to go through all these situations in your head. You know, like, what are we doing here? Like, I'll tell you before the fumble, right? Before the fumble through the end zone, like we we were all talking, the three of us. Like he's going way too fast. Slow the fuck down. Like <laughs> if he scores on that play, it's one forty two to go in the half. Mahomes is going to score again. Yeah, we always you always talk about that, yeah. and no one There's, ever thinks about it. People don't. You have to have different levels of two minute. You got to have fast two minutes, slower two minute. You know, two minute. You know, take your time, but hurry up. Patrick Mahomes, two minute. Kevin. Patrick Mahomes to me. Look. Which is more uh, like a four-minute to if me. I were, if Kevin Stefanski, and I said it, I'm not second-guessing, I would have called the team together and said, fellas, this is our moment. We're going to burn this fucking clock down to 6.58 to go in the game, and we're going to win the game right here. The Bucs the box did it at the end of the first half last night, actually, and they hadn't done it in the past this year. Yep. Hey, that Bucks team looks a lot better, huh? Mm-hmm. They did. You know, I, I mean, you. we all get laughed at it on Hammerdown, but we've been saying that Brees couldn't throw the ball for how long? <laughs> a we long get attacked, time. Years. dude. We get attacked. Years. Been saying it for years. That De- I mean, Devin White yesterday, Mike, that guy looked like he was shot out of a cannon on every play. It did because I think, and I, I screwed up the handicap on that game because I didn't think that they would, I thought they would move the ball. But I think they missed, I really think they missed, uh, Taysom Hill. Yeah. I think they missed them on the goal line. You know, they had the ball in the red zone. They were 0 for 2 to start the game off in the red zone. Those are usually if they score 14 there, it's a different game. And the short yardage stuff and then he can throw the ball. Like once Devin White knew the ball wasn't getting thrown down the field, it becomes an easier game for him to play too. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Lamar Jackson going forward? I think, you know, that we were talking about hard decisions. You're making $6 million, $8 million, $10 million. That's John Harbaugh. He's got, to make a, he's got to make a really hard decision here. He's got to sit in his office and say, do I trade Lamar? He's MVP of the league and try to replace him with a conventional quarterback. Or do I trade out Roman and hire somebody that can give me the best version of Lamar I can possibly get? Or is this the best version of Lamar that anybody could have? Is there that many good OCs out there right now, though, Mike? Like, the names we're hearing, like, Gay's getting an interview for the Seahawks OC. Like, who's out there besides guys you can find from college? Well, I think you gotta, you got you to gotta find somebody that philosophically you want to run their offense. Like, if I were John Harbaugh and DaCosta in Baltimore, I would want to run Kubiak's offense. I would want I would want Lamar under center way more than he is. I'd run some read option, but it wouldn't be really what I'm doing. I would not want to run the RPOs as much as they run them. There's a there's a life shelf on the RPOs. You get behind in a game, you can't run RPOs. Nobody respects the R to get to the P. So you can't run that. So, so it's not I, really you know. I would find somebody from that tree. <laughs> and that's the tree that Stefanski came from. Correct. 
because I got to put him under center. I want to run the ball. I want to be – look, I said this. If if Mayfield threw the ball 36 times or more, they were going to lose. He threw it 37. They only ran it 22 times. You know, I mean, I know the Browns backers covered, but the way those numbers came in, that shouldn't have been a cover. Well, Hunt didn't touch the ball till what, the third quarter, Mike? Yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. good. He's pretty good at football. He's he's pretty good. They both they got two pretty good football players. Oh yeah. Well, the Saints stopped giving it to Kamara too. Was the same thing. Yeah. What's that all about? I don't know. The Saints are funny. You know, they they kind of get away from, and then that turnover just killed them. Michael Thomas wants out of there. And the next thing I know, it's thirty to twenty. I think Michael Thomas wants out of there potentially. I think there's a lot of disconnect within the building because I think that what we see on the tape and what Drew is, and Drew's been the leader of that program, everything runs through him, and he's not the best player in the program. That's always the hardest thing to do. Look, Drew's going to go in the Hall of Fame, there's no doubt. Drew's 9-8 and eight in his NFL career in the playoffs. He's won 151 career games in, in New Orleans. He's got an incredible record. He's done incredible numbers. He's won one championship. Like you would expect with those numbers he's accumulated that they would have won way more than nine playoff games while he was there. They beat the Colts. They did. The Super Bowl. They did. This would be a different show. This would be a show that has Super Bowl, <laughs> numerous Super Bowl champs on it. Instead, only one, that's Lombardi. Congrats, Michael. Congrats on your Super Bowl rings, Pizon. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, <laughs> don't you feel that way if you were a Saint fan? Yes. Yeah, well, Saints fans love it. I don't think that's yeah. going to be a uh, – that's gonna be an interesting thing. Have you have you seen? And I know we got to wrap up here, Lombardi. Have you seen um, Diggs in battle with the Juju Beast? I have not seen it today. I've, I've heard about it. I heard I've heard it. Mike, here's my question: Would you, as a GM, try to re-sign Juju to the Steelers? Uh, you know, if if I were, I would. First of all, I'm really tight on the cap, mm-hmm, and very. I think Claypool, the guy, he's cheaper. I, James Washington's in his deal. I got the kid from Toledo. I've got a Johnson. I got a, I, I got too many other things to worry about than signing another receiver. It has nothing to do with his stomping or his TikTok. I think to me, the way the cap is, and I've got to make so many choices, I'm going to have to give up something to get something. I'm going to have to give him up. Especially when, in my opinion, you're so good at drafting wide receivers that you might as well just take another one in this draft if you're worried about it. And with their success rate, it's going to be much cheaper for the next four years. They got to think cheap. Very cheap, especially if Ben comes back. You need a running back, too. But I think if we see Ben back, we're going to see the same thing that we saw with Breeze this year. Oh, I know, Mike. Oh, no. People defending him, saying he can still throw the ball, and then this time next January, we're going to say, see, we told you so. Hey, those balls were fluttering, huh? As soon as Matt Canada came back, Ben's coming back. He better have Juju with him, he said. Yep. No Ben, no Juju. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. See you, Mike. Hey, see you. Hey, hey Mike. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Deep show. Deep show. Good conversation at Easterby, dude. This guy's character, bro. I didn't know much about him. People don't seem to like him, except for the people that like him. They really like him. The league's a wild place, man. You got pastors in there. You got doctors in there. You got physical therapists in there. You got starting quarterbacks in there. You got Heisman winners in there. I didn't even think about Josh McDaniels. If he was coach of the Colts, Tom Brady would definitely be here. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like what the Chargers did. Yeah, but, you know, Tom, 
you know. <laughs> he was slinging it yesterday. Bro, the ball dude. was spinning so fucking fast. I dude. was so happy for Evans to get that on Lattimore. Lattimore has been up his ass for years. I loved that. Hey, yeah. Laid on top of him, dude. Tom was unbelievable, dude. Yeah, Lattimore has dominated that matchup for quite some Rojo time. Rojo and Fournette just pounding the ball. Lethal what tag team, dude. Still like Green Bay this weekend. If yeah, that me gets, too. That, just because it's fucking Aaron. But if that gets up to four, Tom was uh Tom was, I think he, he was he was very confident. He's threw a couple out routes that could have been picked. That oh yeah, there's a pick six waiting there though. He threw it early though. Yeah, threw Scotty, that ball to Scotty Miller. Good ball, <laughs> Scotty fucking Miller dude. in a bucket. You like, need a big player. You go to Scotty Miller. Damn right. I'd like to see AB come back. I'd like to see AB play. Me too. Me too. Do you see his post on Instagram, I Tom did. Brady? Uh, no. Tom Brady said, you want to be a star or a champion? That's what Antonio Brown posted on his Instagram story of a picture of Tom Brady talking to Antonio Brown in practice. I love that relationship. It's, oh. it's unbelievable. Because you know AB is going to be there oh, next year too. you be a star or a champion? That's a good question. I'd rather be a champion. What'd you dig? I would. Much rather be a champion. Yeah. Are you are you on an NFL team? <laughs> Stardom comes with championships. If you win, there's enough to go around, is what everybody says. I'm not on an NFL team. <laughs> oh, okay. You're just talking just about if you were an if NFL. If I was. I mean, I think we got the best four teams though. Yes. I don't think anybody sure. could argue that. Yeah, we no, everybody's happy about this. Yeah, yeah very happy. Not thanks, everybody. Thanks to Chad Henney. The Chiefs opening at minus one was when I saw that. Holy oh, shit. Is it already up to three and a half? Minus three right now. Three. It did go up to minus three and a half for a bit. Even though all the money's on the Bills. Yeah. And all the money's coming in on the Packers right now. Pack and Bills. It's early. With the uh, minus, the Chiefs opening up is that Vegas thinks Mahomes is going to play. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, but it, uh, what about Carrington? Harrison. Johnny Carrie, Carrington. Carrie Carrington. Carrington Harrison. Oh. All right. Johnny Carrington. We'll see you on Thursday. We'll talk about the games. Give hey, out championship week, dude. Championship week. Hey, let's go. We're clear. Let's go. Can you put those records back up? I'm going to see where I'm at. 50, 63 and 55. That's pretty good. I'm happy with it. Nah. Gumpy, I need you to make. Well, there's going to be a lot of picks on the Super Bowl show. A lot of picks. I mean, we got props. I got it. If I can get to 500 with some prop bets. Got a uh, Gatorade color, a lot. There's a lot of bets. Every single everything. Oh, I got bat tough beat this week with Deontay Harris, but oh, couple, that was so couple oh times. Times. Couple times, couple times. Oh, how'd you have a feeling on that? Well, he's been on he's, that all year. He was. That. He had like six catches. I I have to give Boston Connor the credit because he was the one who introduced me to that bet, parlaying the defense special teams to score with the punt returner. Or kick returner. Because that's a double right there. Yeah, but Deontay Harris had like six or seven catches last weekend, so I knew he was feeling hot. And the Bucks, I, I wasn't Man, that, that was confident a, in there. That was a wild start for their special teams. Yeah. All right, we'll be back uh, Thursday, 3.30, YouTube. If you don't catch it there, we'll put it out as a podcast. Hammer. Done. Yeah.